This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Sean Buvala, professional storyteller extraordinaire and author of Daddy Teller. Today's show, Tell Me a Story. Today's guest is Kay Sean Buvala, professional storyteller. This guy's good. How good? Well, in 2007, he won the annual Oracle Award by the National Storytelling Network for his work in the promotion of storytelling, including the development of Storyteller.net, an online goldmine of resources for storytellers of all stripes and their audiences. So, yeah, that's how good. Sean is the father of four beautiful daughters. That kind of sounds like the beginning of a story, doesn't it? Sean is also the author of Daddy Teller, How to Be a Hero to Your Kid and Teach Them What's Really Important by Telling Them One Simple Story at a Time. According to Sean, the average dad spends less than 30 minutes a day with his kids. That's not good. I know, I know, parents are busy. Apparently, so are kids. On average, our children spend four hours a day focused on TV, internet, and or video games. That's an awful lot of influence being pumped into them from who knows where. If fathers want more of a hand in shaping the values and character of their kids, short of becoming stay-at-home dads, what can they do? Great question. Stick around. We've got answers. Good morning, Sean. Welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. It's great to be talking to you. I know there's a lot of junior high teachers that wish they were on this call with me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, middle school. We love them. We do. <laughs> I'm very interested in talking to you about Daddy Teller because we all love stories, right? And the first thing I want to ask is, hey, man, what's your story? How did you get into this? <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, the, uh, the the core story of how I got started. I was working in a middle school, eighth graders, for those folks not familiar with that, about 13 years old, 14 years old. And I was working in kind of a tough neighborhood. And I would go in once a week to this particular classroom and do a session on values and ethics and things like that. And they were a tough crowd because most of the time the teacher would walk out of the room and she would say under her breath as she looked at me, good luck. How reassuring. (laughs) She'd walk away. So I had this group of kids that just really wanted nothing to do with anything I was talking about. I got to the point one day where I really thought it's going to be them or me. They're going to group attack me or something. And I had been reading about this storytelling stuff. This was 25 years ago. And I'd been reading about this storytelling idea. And I then literally grabbed the first kid by the hand and pulled them up. And they started to become parts of the story. They became everything in the story. They were the people of the story. They were the fences, the houses, the trees. They were (laughs) everything in the story. And we did all this work with them. We spent this whole classroom time doing this story, and then we talked about it. Now, as much as a cliche as it sounds, from that moment on, I would walk in the room and they'd go, are we going to do another story? Or sometimes I'd walk in the room and they'd sit me down and say, we did a story for you. And they would do a story. Oh, great. So that was the first time that I knew for sure, that there was really something to the storytelling business. And it wasn't about reading books. It wasn't about uh, preschoolers. It was about the power of story to 
connect with people beyond their barriers, beyond their uh, beyond the walls that they put up, beyond the veneer that uh, junior high kids live under, uh, I knew from that point that I had found something, and that was it. Pretty magical. It was. I think it's part of it, as an educator myself who works with middle school students, that when you can engage them in an area that doesn't feel academic yep. and talk to them in ways that connect with their lives, you've got them. They want more of that because they know that they need more of that. And when anyone comes in who's halfway friendly and trustworthy, who can give a kid something that he or she knows they need, there's your audience. Absolutely. And storytelling is so innate and basic to who we are as a species. Like you said, once they know it's real, then that's when it makes contact. And storytelling can be used across the curriculum. I can't name a single piece of curriculum that can't benefit by storytelling. And we think about reading and writing and literacy and all those issues. Even math, there's ways to use storytelling across the curriculum. And I wish more teachers would would truly embrace that. Okay, now most of my listeners, they may be teachers, but foremost, they are parents. And your book is really written for dads, specifically on how they can engage in the lives of their kids emotionally and to teach values through the telling of nightly stories. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready for this call, and I thought, well, my husband David has been really was a great storyteller when our kids were growing up. And then I thought, well, where did he learn that? What was the model? But the way he learned it is that his dad was a storyteller and mm. used to tell a series of stories about two rabbits. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, did your dad tell you stories when you were growing up? My parents were not so much storytellers, but I come from a very long line of Irish immigrants and Irish storytellers. My grandfather was fast, fast, fast on being able to think on his feet and create puns and stuff. My parents read to me like crazy. Mm -hmm. There's even certain books in my mind that I can remember having read to me. They approached it mostly from uh, book reading. Mm -hmm. Very few people back when I was young were thinking about storytelling at all. It really, at that point, storytelling had kind of died out <laughs> in you know the 50s and 60s and kind of resurged in the 70s. So people were doing what they knew to do best, which was to read. And reading does have its own separate value. Telling stories also has a different value as well. So my parents were definite readers, and uh, I remember those things very, very fondly. So now your kids have the benefit of having a dad who does this professionally and who brings this gift of himself to them. Yeah. How old are your children now, Sean? Oh, my children. Uh, my oldest is 20. Then I have a 17 and a 14 and 11. Uh -huh. So I'm through the little child stages and I'm mostly into the whole adolescent phase now, young adult as well on the other end. So let's talk about tweens and teens. Do they sit still long enough for you to be able to still tell them stories? It's interesting. My youngest will, <laughs> my youngest will say to me, tell me a story, but only tell me the funny parts. <laughs> <laughs> and what does your child mean by that? There are certain stories out in the world that are called jump stories. And those are the stories when you're talking along, talking along, talking along, boom, something happens. Those are called jump stories. And I have one jump story in particular that she adores. And she knows how it goes. She knows what happens. She's 11 years old. She's heard it over and over again. But she only wants to hear the funny parts. And for her, the funny part is that jump moment. And even at 11, I can still do the... And then the grasshopper said, What? I can't hear you, said the moose. What? I can't hear you, said the moose. 
what? I can't hear you, said the moose. You gotta stop drinking the water! And you yell that really loud. <laughs> and that jump moment, that's what she wants to hear. She wants to hear the jump moment. She knows it's coming, etc. So they <laughs> they have their favorite stories that I've told them. And uh, and she will occasionally just say, just tell me the funny parts. <laughs> I see. I see. You know, when David used to tell stories to our kids, he would customize them, of course. And yes. often these were... Life lessons kind of stories where something that had happened in our child's life that day needed some reinforcement. And so out came the two rabbits from this series of stories. And I remember our daughter saying, Okay, tell me one of those stories, but don't make it too much like me. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was very thinly veiled that she could tell (laughs) that the two rabbits, one of them who always got in trouble, was up to something. We talk about that. I know I'm not going to overdo selling the Daddy Teller book, but in the Daddy Teller book that I wrote, we talk about you don't take a story and keep it. The stories in the Daddy Teller book, the stories of the world are not designed to be told word for word. That's reading. Right. They're designed to be recreated. And I say that to dads in the book that, you know, don't be afraid to mix and match this story. I mean, if you don't like this kind of character, then turn it into something else. If you need to change the name of the characters to match your children's name, then go do that. If you don't want them in the jungle and you want them in the middle of Chicago, then go ahead and do that. But don't be afraid to mix and match those stories. That's so important. And it's a powerful literacy skill, too, to understand that words are there to be created with. Absolutely. And just as the way our our life stories evolve and sometimes turn back on themselves and then go forward, it's the same way. You know, what you just said about your 11-year-old, well, she's been brought up with your storytelling. What if someone is listening to this podcast, they've got an 11-year-old and dang, I kind of missed the boat. As a dad or even as a mom, I didn't do much in the way of storytelling. Is it too late for me as the parent of a sixth grader to start this process. What do you say to that? It's not too late. You know, I certainly encourage parents, especially new parents, that you need to be talking to your child from day one. Mm -hmm. You need to be using real words and real language and talking to your children from birth. My wife and I are both very verbal people when it comes to our children. And I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because she's definitely not the onstage person, that's for sure. But she has always treated our children with real words and real language. And so that's important. It's important to talk to children naturally. Now, let's say the question you're asking me, we're in the desperate straits where I need to find some way to communicate to that child. My 11-year-old, my tween, my teen, whatever word we're using. The first mistake you'll make when people start talking to their tweens is, let me tell you a story. That is the Oh, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. I mean, I think the second book, you know, the daddy teller is more aimed to the little kids. But the second book, I think, is going to be called How to Speak to Your Tweens Without Them Rolling Their Eyes at You. <laughs> <laughs> Great title. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure that's the direction we're going to go with that book. But anyway, you know, as soon as you say to them, I'm going to tell you a story. Unless they've been raised on story, they're thinking story time at the library. And now, boys and girls, I'm going to tell you a life lesson. (laughs) Crazy stuff. Don't introduce your stories. Don't say that. Find really quick stories that help illustrate the point that you want to make. Aesop fables are a brilliant way to say something very quickly and very fast in a story. As that 11-year-old, 12-year-old gets used to your stories, you can make them a little bit longer and a little bit bigger. But if you want something fast and to the point, Aesop fables are a great way to start. Whether you find them online or you go to the library or wherever you find these stories, some of those are so short and so fast that you can speak the story before they even realize that's what's happening to them. And 
with adolescents who aren't used to storytelling, you have to be kind of stealth at it in the beginning. You have to kind of come around the back, you know, because they're used to being preached at. They're used to shutting that down. You kind of, you know, go in ninja style. Ninja, go in, story, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> you don't know what hits you. Shoo, shoo, shoo. <laughs> what? What? The scorpion did what? What? <laughs> where, where did that come from? Think about that, that, grasshopper. <laughs> That's right. Stand back. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. One of the points that you made that I wrote down in a note here was the idea that sometimes your kid wants to hear the same story again and again, and you warn in the book not to do the eye roll and it's like you really want to hear that one again mm-hmm. because you're so bored out of your tree from telling that story but your point is well taken when you say that there's something in that story that the child needs to learn he or she has decided i want more exposure to that idea that concept i want to hear it again and what an honor it is, in fact, to be the person who is transmitting that value to opening up that door in their mind so that they can play around with that idea. I mean, really, isn't that what we all want? We want to be the transmitter of values to our kids. Yes, yes, we do. And kids, regardless of their age, and even adults, but kids especially, they need to come back to life lessons because what they heard at three will be different for them at six mm-hmm. and will be different for them at 13. I think kids are dying for stories, are dying for advice. Your books are a really good example of that. There are waiting lists at school libraries to get your confidential series. Oh, really? <laughs> kids may have read those books over and over again, but there's something in that book they have to go back to to reread. There's something you wrote in there they need to hear again. It's the same thing with our small children. You may despise the wheels on the bus or Goodnight Moon or whatever story it is that you've been reading. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> but there's something in that that they need to hear. And so what I keep telling parents is, especially dads, because this is the folks that really struggle with this, mm-hmm. is look, these children are going to be children for a flash of time. It's a flash. It's unbelievably fast. And you in the middle of it may say, oh, my Lord, I cannot tell that story one more time. But I guarantee dads, when you wake up tomorrow, they will be 18 years old and you will regret Mm -hmm. having been mad about repeating a story. So there's that thing I lay on dads and say, look, tomorrow they will be out of the house. For now, tell the story again. If you need to tell the story of the mouse and the lion one more time, then do it. It is an honor and a privilege to be a parent. Yes. So embrace it. Yeah. Embrace it and tell it again because you won't be telling it tomorrow in the metaphorical tomorrow sense. <laughs> yes, I hear what you're saying. Our little one got married on August 1st, so it really does happen, folks. <laughs> oh, oh, it, we did one of them um, at the Daddy Teller site. I do all these free videos, and one of the videos and has been one of the most popular ones is the one about how fast time flies. And I show a picture in that video of, of a Christmas scene of a little baby and, and a little boy. And I say in the video, you know, I just brought this child home from the hospital. Okay, you got me. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And I did. I just brought her home from the hospital. She was just sitting on the table in the car carrier. I just brought her home. And now she's running her own dog care business. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies. Repeating stories is okay. <laughs> yeah. And the other point that I got from that same that same list of tips was the kid's Desire to hear the story over again just the way you've told it because there is security in knowing 
that things turn out okay. Mm -hmm. And in a child's life where so much is out of their control, they don't know what's going to happen next, how reassuring it is to know like, okay, I'm a little bit scared now for the protagonist, but I've heard this story and I know it turns out okay. So I can kind of be a little bit scared within this bubble of security. Mm -hmm. And that feels great, I'm sure. I remember... My son used to love to watch the Disney movie Dumbo. Yeah. When he was three years old, that's the movie he wanted to watch again and again. And he was always a very sensitive child. So I know there's some scary parts there, you know, and Dumbo and his mother get separated and it's really, really sad. And But he needed to see that part and get to the end again and again. It's like reassurance. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Life has bumps. Life has strange things jumping out at you at corners sometimes, but it's going to be okay. There's a quote, and I think it's Chesterton, and they're going to take away my storytelling license because I can't remember who said it, but there's a quote that says that... It was Chesterton, I'm sure it was. Okay, now it is. (laughs) (laughs) The quote is that storytelling is not about telling children that there are dragons in the world, but rather that the dragons can be defeated. Mm, I love it. You can't tell scary stories to children. Oh, Dumbo has all those scenes and the mother is locked away. It's not about the dragon. It's about the fact that the dragon can be defeated. It's about the fact that there is a way to grow beyond challenge. And also, as kids get older, sometimes we have to acknowledge with them that the dragon wins. Yep. And so don't get involved with the dragon in the first place. Mm-hmm. Especially teens and tweens, man. That invincible, what does Elkin call it? The personal fable of the personal myth. Yeah, maybe you should not touch the dragon. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes the most heroic thing is to know this dragon is bigger than I am and I'm walking away. That's right. When you were growing up, Sean, what was your favorite story? There uh, was a good night book. It was a golden book. It was about all the animals going to sleep. And there's one particular thing in there where the, the bumblebees are going to sleep or something. Both of my parents could read that story in a progressively slower and slower voice until by the time we got, it's hard to do this, but by the time we got to the bumblebee, you know, we were speaking like this and the bumblebee, good night. You know, there was that buildup of how the characters grew. That story sticks in my mind like crazy. That good night, whatever it was, good night animals or good night bunny or something book. A powerful story for me, and I don't know why. I think it was probably because I felt very safe yeah. uh, with them during that story. It sounds very soothing. The yeah. bees are going to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you tell lots of stories. You, you, I assume you go to schools and you do storytelling mm-hmm. all the time. It's your, it's your 24-7 profession and it you is. live and breathe it. So I'm going to ask you right now, we did not rehearse this, by the way, for mm-hmm. those of you who are listening, I'm going to ask you to tell us your favorite story. I'll tell you one of my favorites. There's so many of them in my head that I don't know if I can ever choose the one. Okay, your current favorite. Once upon a time, there was a mouse, a mouse walking right past the cave of a lion when suddenly, whoop, the paw of the lion fell upon the mouse. And he picked up that mouse and he said to him, I am going to have you for lunch. And the mouse said, oh, please, you really don't want to eat me. As a matter of fact, um, if you let me go, um, uh, uh, I'll be able to help you someday. 
the lion just laughed at that. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> You're going to help me? No, really, I can. You just gotta let me go, and I will help you. But I'm hungry. No, really, what I can help you with later is really important. So let me go, and then I will help you. Well, the lion laughed at that. How possibly could this mouse help him? And with that, he tossed him right out of the cave, and the lion never thought about the mouse again. But one day, when the lion was walking through the jungle, creeping along through the jungle, he came upon a huge, giant, immense pile of meat. And the lion, mm, I'm hungry, and with that, the lion leapt right onto the meat. But when he did so, he discovered it was a trap, and a net from underneath the meat swept him up in the air, and the lion caught in the net was swinging from the trees. Now, what would he do? But along came walking a mouse. A mouse right past the net where the lion was. Lion looked down and said, oh, <clears throat> Excuse me, could I, uh, could I get some help, please? I'm sorry, is someone speaking? <clears throat> excuse me, could I, could I get some help, please? Oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> hi, do you need some help? Oh, uh, yes, I, I really do. Um, okay, well, you have to say the magic word. <laughs> the magic word? The magic word is hurry. No, that's not the magic word. What's the magic word? The magic word is please. Oh, very good. And with that, the mouse began to nibble, 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 until the net broke free and the lion tumbled out. And with that, the lion looked at the mouse. The mouse looked at the lion and said, Now what do you say? The lion said, Um... I'll see you later. No, that's not it. What are you supposed to say when somebody helps you? <sighs> Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. And they both lived, as they say, happily ever after. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thank now listen, you. <laughs> let me tell you about that story. Every time you tell a story, it's different. It's not reading. It's not memorizing. I don't have the story memorized. And sometimes there's much shorter versions of that story. There's also much longer versions of that story. I did an interview very similar to this last week, and they wanted a story like that, but they wanted something short. So I told them that same story, but I told it very quickly. And this one, I spent a little more time doing this because we're talking more to parents and stuff like that. I played with the please and thank you thing. I don't always include that. Let me tell you, when you got 400 elementary kids in a hall, you know, screaming please and thank you, and the mouse goes on, and the lion, every time he says, well, what's the magic words? And the lion goes, uh, andale, or whatever. He just, <laughs> he just keeps saying all this stuff, and the kids are screaming please and thank you. So you can take a story huge. But you can also do that with just you and your child looking each other in the eye and playing with that story. Stories, stories change based upon the audience. And we had time. I could play with this more. I could give more of an example with it. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to make the story fit you and your personality. If you don't like voices, dads, if you don't like voices, then don't do them. You don't have to talk like me when I do it. You don't have to do that. The mouse can simply say, really, you should let me go. It, it's okay. Be you. Don't be me. Embrace who you are in the telling of that story. That story is one we posted online at the site. It's one of the stories from the book. And People can download that and then pick it up, which is one of the reasons I tell it in interviews like this is anybody can tell that story. Mm -hmm. Anybody can tell it. The script's on the site if they want it. Aside from the number one advice about telling stories, which is do it, <laughs> what's the second rule for dads? Don't worry about memorizing. Get past the memorization thing. What I hear from dads most often is 
what if I do it wrong? <laughs> I don't know what it is about men and who we are, but we're Oh, afraid. yeah, you do. <laughs> Annie, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, 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 what are you saying? <laughs> Gotta get it right. Well, there's something about, it's, it's a secret. We're not allowed to tell women of, these, of our fears. We already know. <laughs> we're married know, to right. you. We know. That's right. That's right, you do. That's what they're worried about. What if I do it wrong? I hear that. I hear that from everything. I hear it from new dads. I hear it from dads of adolescence. Uh, I hear it all the time. Uh, don't be afraid of that. And part of that comes from dad's own experiences in many cases with their own education process. And they may have felt very uncomfortable learning scripts or memorizing things, etc. You don't do that. You learn to tell things episodically. In the book, we call it brick and mortar. It's piece by piece. In the mouse story, the mouse goes by the cave. The lion and he have a conversation. He's set free. The lion gets caught up in a net. The mouse sets him free. That's the end of the story. That's the pieces. Once you see the scenes in your head, then you can fill in the rest with words. So you're not going to make a mistake. You're a hero to your kids. You're huge to your kids. And don't memorize the story. Just learn, <laughs> see it in your head and then tell it. See it in your head and then tell it. One more thing I want to cover before I let you go. And it has mm -hmm. to do with this idea about being a hero. Obviously, these stories are what they are. And they are much more. How do you suggest that a parent do some follow-up back and forth conversation either in the middle of the story or after the story to help some of those values that you're trying to in part sink in it depends on what you emphasize this is a well, great how about the one you just told us that story has many different levels if we were to play with that story we could pull themes out of there we could pull themes of kindness being returned okay so let's play around here sean i'll be your six-year-old daughter and you just told me that story that was a really good story daddy okay annie so you tell me the story tell me the story what happens in the story and i would i would take you through that process i would have you tell me that story i back. was just gonna tell you daddy but you just interrupted me i'll stop <laughs> <laughs> Keep you tell me, tell me your story. Well, there's this hungry lion, and he he almost ate up this really cute little mouse, but the mouse was too smart for him, so he got away. And he said he would promise to help him someday, and someday he did because the lion got in trouble, and the mouse helped him. So sometimes being nice is a really good thing to do, huh? Yeah, especially yeah. if you're about to get eaten. Yeah. Is there anybody that you've ever been nice to? Um, I was nice to Tommy. I gave him part of my cookie when there weren't any left. And so how did Tommy feel about that? What did Tommy say? He said, thank you, Annie. So sharing is good. Sharing is a way to be nicer to people. And sharing is a way for us to love other people, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. nice. Yeah. He doesn't always share, though, when um, I want something from him. So if he doesn't share back, are you going to share the next time? I'm, I, mm, I don't know. You don't know? How did you feel when you shared with him? When you shared your cookie with him, how did you feel? I felt like a good big sister. Good, good. And see, that's the kind of conversation you, you take back and forth, is you can look at what the child needs to focus on. If the child needs to focus on sharing, then that's a good way to do it. I could also take that conversation and talk about how little tiny things can make the difference. Children often feel too small for the world. Mm -hmm. And so that mouse making this huge difference, that could be the emphasis. In the schools, I most often emphasize the please and thank you. You know, Annie, what, what was the lion supposed to say for the mouse to help him? Please. Please. Do you say please all the time? I do. You do. What did the lion need to say at the 
And when he Thank was you. free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Right. And see, that's the process. Depending on what I want to emphasize is, mm-hmm. is what I can pull out of that story. When you were talking to me at first, there was quite a bit of that child talking about getting free and kind of the reward of what happened to them. So that's the stuff that I pull out. And, you know, with little children, you can steer the conversation any way that you want to. Uh, in schools, I really did a lot of emphasis on the please and thank you because I hear constantly from teachers and aides and things like that that kids are just rude. But certainly in, in my own life, I've needed to remind my children that please and thank you are really important. <laughs> yeah, really important in families as well. Oh, yeah. Sean, I want to thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I want to thank You're you welcome. for coming and talking to us this morning and for telling us a story and telling the dads who are listening how to tell stories. My guest today has been Sean Buvala, author of Daddy Teller, How to Be a Hero to Your Kids and Teach Them What's Really Important by Telling Them One Simple Story at a Time. Before we say goodbye, Sean, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about what you do? Oh, sure. There's lots of free videos and uh, articles and things at the Daddy Teller site. So Daddy Teller, all one word, daddyteller.com. Uh, if they're looking for the book, it's of course, it's at Amazon. And the easiest way to get to that is daddyteller.com slash Amazon. But I really invite people to come to the site, either download some free stuff, look at the videos, get some free training. If they're interested in the book, it's on a PDF or, you know, pick it up from Amazon. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you and for the good work that you do. It's refreshing to talk to someone who has obviously so much fun doing what they're doing and being helpful at the same time. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you and you've made a real impact on people in the schools and kids. So congrats to the work that you do and thank you. Thanks, Sean. You bet. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To find out more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And tune in next time when my guest, acclaimed author Rachel Simon, talks about her memoir, Riding the Bus with My Sister. Till then, happy parenting! <laughs>